Greetings, standard nerds. This is Tom Caramonte of Third Rail Design Lab. And Christopher McClanahan of DeeplyDapper.com. And it's time to... Release the... Kraken! In this episode of Robot Kraken Game of Tolls Edition, we appease the beast by discussing Game of Thrones Season 7, Episode 1, Dragonstone. Episode 1. Yeah. Finally. So this is a new thing, except for we did it last season, but it's a new thing now because it's it's this year. Uh, We're going to just talk about every episode of Game of Tolls as we watch it, right? Yes. As regularly as we possibly can. We'll record them as close to after watching as we can and post them as quickly as we can after that. (laughs) (laughs) But don't be discouraged if you are a regular listener to the Robot Kraken podcast who thoroughly dislikes Game of Thrones and wants seven-hour recordings. Don't you worry. That'll still happen. There's more of that coming, yeah. Yeah, This is a bonus. Yeah, we, we figured there's enough of you guys that aren't in love with Game of Thrones the way a lot of the others of us are. And so we were like, you know, let's still do the weekly episode updates, but still release that massive Kraken of an episode, too. So that's yes. coming. Uh, we'll have a couple of guest stars, like some con reports, some new movie reviews, or at least new when we recorded it. <laughs> movies that came out in 2017 maybe yeah maybe (laughs) well this next one our next one's going to be fun because it's going to be the second time we recorded live in person yeah right at least one component of it so that'd be fun yeah look look into each each other's baby blues yes except i think i don't know what color your eyes are baby blue shot (laughs) Legit. <laughs> Especially at that show. <laughs> I know. I can't deny it. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, right. Really. That was. Yeah. Okay. Well, we can't spoil. We can't spoil our con reports ahead of time. We, stay tuned for that. But G- Game of Tolls. So yes. this is. It's not Before like. Before we, we dive into in. the episode. Yes. What but, are you drinking, okay. Tom? It's sucking the monkey. Wait. Are you prepared? Are you. Okay. So you want to talk about a sucking the monkey? I'll tell you what I'm sucking. I'm sucking a we delicious suck grain. I'm I'm drinking a greyhound. A ground? A greyhound. Greyhound. Okay. The You've hound, had a greyhound. You say. You know what a greyhound? Yeah, right. You know what a greyhound is, right? No, I have no idea. Vodka and grapefruit juice. Yeah. I mean, oh, I thought, healthy. It's delicious. I thought it's I would, I would just say I was going to drink. Yeah, I was going to say I was going to drink the hound, but then I thought, mm, we'll just be honest and say it's a greyhound. That's an appropriate choice for it. I'm. I chose a rum and coke using Kraken rum. The official unofficial po- uh, podcast sponsor. Yes, Kraken and, rum. Uh, what is dead may never die. Oh yeah. So the Kraken too. How's it taste? As you can tell, we're super well organized tonight. We are well organized. <laughs> I have 
I have 18 pages of detailed notes to go through in a very short period of time. Don't you? I have three screens up, and one of them is little kids playing the Game of Thrones theme on a xylophone. <laughs> I actually have no. I actually have no no prepared material. So, but um, okay. So, all I was going to say before was that it's different for us because we're only having to prepare for talking about one thing and only yes. that thing. And usually we have a laundry list of 80 things that we're going to talk about and we just get to what we can before we pass out. So yeah. this is a very, a very focused recording for us. Um, also different though, like I guess we can lead right into it. it. It's I, I turn on the TV and watch game of Thrones for the first time in whatever it is, 18 months. You've yeah. been freebasing it for quite a while. Yeah, we, uh, oh God, what was it, a month ago? I don't know, three weeks ago, we decided to start rewatching all of the episodes in advance of this episode coming out. And we mostly succeeded. <laughs> we we may have had to skip one or two less than vital episodes in the fifth season just to get to the sixth one, but... Hard home, was, skip that one. It's not necessary. Yeah, of course. Hard home, Battle of the Bastards. Um, you know those ones where absolutely nothing taken. Taken's that's not even a word. Red oh. wedding, skip red wedding. Taken's taken. What's the red like, wedding? That's like, I've never seen that episode. Yeah. Take taken sounds like the the eighth or ninth version of the film and the franchise, right? <laughs> <laughs> you've you've taken my daughter. <laughs> yeah, you've like you've taken my lucky charms. <laughs> sounds like better than usual. It's like, why is he a pirate? I've got a All special right, well. set of skills and they include blue hearts <laughs> and orange diamonds and gold bullets. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh my god! This is just like Toy Story three. You've gone off the rails, and you're waiting for me to carry the train back up out of the chasm. So, so Chris, yeah, having having watched the, a good majority of six seasons of Game of Thrones in a month, did you feel like it made the watching of this new episode premiere uh, more enjoyable or less enjoyable from being burned out? I think it enhanced it. I actually. I hadn't seen episode, or season six since oh, really? it was originally aired. Oh, okay. And it was it was kind of thrilling in a way to watch those for the first time since the last, what, 18 months ago? And yeah. know that I had a new episode sitting at the end. Yeah, I bet. I bet. That was great. There was a lot of really nice foreshadowing in those last couple seasons for what's happening i just choked on my kraken <laughs> <laughs> well and then really the last the the second to last well, the third to last and second to last episodes of season six were were probably a reasonable template for what most of these last two micro seasons are going to be right because they had more there so. there in terms of yeah. the plot heavy big sort of set piece things happening not just not just big event episodes, but like major things happening one after another. And that's what yeah. we're going to get I think, for these last two seasons. It's just going to be, they have so much to cram. And I don't think yeah, it's a bad thing necessarily. No, I, I think the, the pacing in the last couple seasons has actually been pretty great. I, it's actually been a little jarring 
watching it all the way through, just seeing the difference in pacing and the difference in budget. Sure, right. Like both of those I things are pretty significant. Uh, the the joust scene from season one or two, where there's like seventeen mm-hmm. people in the crowd, and right, then you see something right. like Hard Home, and it's just <laughs> oh I my remember. god, it's insane. <laughs> I remember the jousting scene and feeling like I felt like it was early in the day at medieval times or Renaissance fair, <laughs> right? Or right? Like people are just you know, it's like people are Wizard just showing up, put on a Renaissance fair. <laughs> Yeah, but except it was a role that would be Saturday night at five. <laughs> right. Oh, so also, uh, do you think so? My impression, since I haven't gone and rewatched any episodes ever, mm-hmm. but would you was it your impression that the storytelling tone and pace and sort of vividness increased once they went off the map and they didn't have his work to follow? Or... Not necessarily. I feel like there's certain things that they've done that feel a little too um, TV. Mm. Like there's there's certain little plot twists that I can't ever imagine him doing. Mm. And then there's other things that they've done that I think are perfect. Mm. And I just I really can't I can't wrap my brain around which parts I like better and which parts I like worse. Because I do think some of the post-book shows have been mm-hmm. really solid. Mm-hmm. But there's other parts that just... I feel like they're going too quick. Or they're combining characters together in a way that... Sure. I can't imagine martin's super excited about <laughs> right like well yeah right characters characters that have, have been created out of thin air or have been fused like mm-hmm. rob's wife um yeah i understand from reading the commentary because i haven't read those books yet reading the commentary from people who who started from the books being very frustrated about those aspects which i think to some degree is reasonable understandable and other times it's you know come on multiverse yeah, some right? of it's just pure nitpicking sure um, I think I'm, I benefit from having the mentality that we've talked about before, where I can handle multiple versions of the same story, like a multiverse thing. I can yeah. handle the roots of the movies. I can handle an, every other every other installment of a movie franchise being garbage and skipping them in my mind or whatever. It doesn't bother me because, you know, it, it all works as long as the story is good. I don't care. Yeah. But I think, but I think, our recent. Uh, diving into Expanse, for example, that we've talked about on the podcast, has been an has been a it's it's my first sort of contemporary uh, test on this issue because in that sense I read I watched Expanse first and then I was reading the books, but then right. I caught up I caught up and moved past the show, so now I'm reading Expanse beyond what the show's doing, and. It's not it's not the same thing because I already am templated by what the show showed me and who the actors, what the characters look like and all that stuff. It's not like I just read the yeah. book cold, but but I'm still in, a, in an area that the show hasn't touched on and wondering how it's going to be filmed and what changes they would make. And I'm already seeing obvious, obvious places where I'm betting they're going to deviate or condense or whatever. So I, I get it. But well, this is such an unprecedented thing too, with it yeah. being something that started from a source material that has outranked the the source material. 
So were there are there any actors, um, characters, but more specifically the actors playing them that maybe you didn't like when when you were first watching these shows and and over time you've grown, you know, had to have a different opinion about them to like them more. Now? I, I definitely think I've come around to Sansa. Um, mm-hmm. I think she's a great actress, and I think she has really matured in terms of conveying her emotions in the show. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, she's pretty one note, uh, and that's both a, a downfall. That's written of that way. The character, right, right and the acting. Uh, but I think she's doing great. I, honestly, I'm. Like rewatching it, I'm blown away at how great they did at casting people that can grow up through the series. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we, uh, my coworker keeps sharing with me photos from season one to remind me, you know, and and all the Stark kids are like these little babies, and it's just astonishing. It's crazy it's another one of those things like we are. always talk about. Yeah, we talk about how you know it, actors from when we were young who are our age, you know, our Alyssa Milana discussion and so forth, where it's like, well, wait a minute. I'm their age. So if they got older, I got older, you know. But so, yeah, so but especially thing. when you're watching. But when you watch teen, uh, uh, like preteen and teen actors go through their teens and into their 20s on film, especially when you're older and you're not ex- – your age change is not accelerating at the same rate. I mean, right. You know what I mean, right? We're, sta- we're stable and declining. But yes. they're still rapidly evolving. It's that much more obvious, Right. Yeah, and yeah, I think I think it's hard with those char- with those uh, actors. It's hard because they are growing up on screen, as well as their characters are growing up on screen. So right. I don't know how you separate from them. I I know that I started out um, with much more resistance to um, uh, Peter uh, Peter Dinklage's really? Tyrion. Interesting. I liked him. I liked him, and I was aware of him more as a movie actor, mm-hmm. and. And and briefly in uh, another show, what was that one, the uh, the X Files ish one with Carla, uh, um, Gugino in it. Uh, well, anyway. Oh yeah, I don't remember what that, that was called. That I really liked, but anyway, he was in. That. <laughs> I liked it, and not <laughs> enough to remember the name. Right. Flashpoint. So anyway, the point though is uh, when when he was first in, and he had the blonde hair. Mm-hmm. He had blonder hair, not book blonde, but he had a lighter right. hair color. And he was being an unpleasant character or he was portraying an unpleasant character who was drunk and, you know, just cavorting about. And just, I, it was there was so much of him like I, I couldn't get I couldn't get my eyes. It was like when you watch Sean Connery doing something right. Like I couldn't. All I saw was the actor putting on yeah, a British that. accent in a costume trying to play scenery chewing drunk. And I, I was like, wow, this is this is really heavy handed. And I, and it doesn't change the fact that it's Peter Dinklage doing it. But then once he got once he's I don't want to say sobered up because he doesn't sober up. But you know what I mean? Once he got right. serious when he's the hand the first time, you know. Once I once think... the bat, black water and all that happens, I took him. I started to see him in a whole different light and I loved him from then on out. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I think you're totally wrong. I think he's amazing. But I get what you're saying. <laughs> I didn't think he wasn't amazing. I just couldn't get away. From it. I couldn't. I couldn't find the character, and all I saw was the actor. And now, yeah, and now, I now, I, now all I see is the character. 
Right. And and I'm aware of him as an actor, but I see the character, so that's... And I think thing. that's one downside slash positive of a show that's gone on for this long is that you do kind of lock them into a certain thing. And yeah. I think particularly a show like this where you kind of you kind of grown up with some of these characters, it's going to be a hard time seeing them do anything else. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Like, I think, sure. isn't so, it uh, Arya cast as Wolvesbane now? Uh-huh. <laughs> Which well, is kind of typecasting at the same time, but... <laughs> and Sean Bean has one or... Uh, he has a role or two where he's not dying right away that are coming out. That's madness. That, that would be hard to adjust to. <laughs> um, well, and then, of course... Uh, um, Sansa, you mentioned Sansa, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, her, what's her brain? She's in, she's Jean Grey. So there's, in fact, in that sense, I'm aware of her as an actress, but I still felt like I was seeing Sansa in the X-Men. Like it didn't. Yeah. I, I, it, well, to be honest, it didn't the, say a lot to her. Act- X-Men movie, it, yes. she didn't have a lot to chew on. That's true. It, it didn't. It could have been the material, but she didn't seem like she was acting so much as it just was more of her. So I don't know. Jury's out on whether she's a great actress. I don't know. She's certainly conveying some subtlety in her face, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of how she's, you know, interacting with certain uh, personalities around her, because her character is no longer just blurting and pouting and whatever. Right. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes over the season. Um, one more, one more question. Are there any episodes? I mean, there's these certain sort of standout episodes over the first six seasons that everybody talks about the big, the big battles, the big moments. But, um, and I love those episodes. But are were there any, um, sort of off that path episodes in your rewatch that really stuck stood out for you as being ones that you really liked? Uh, not necessarily. I mean. I really feel like the Battle of the Bastards still blows shit away for me. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just mm-hmm. so well made. And, like, it's so memorable that you forget anything but the battle takes place in that episode. I totally That's forgot true. there was the whole scene with Daenerys and everything there. <laughs> right. uh, but I don't know if, you Good know, point. to be honest with you, it's all kind of blended together at this point now. It's it just for one. Me too. <laughs> massive movie that I watched in the last three weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if I can even separate them out into particular episodes. Interesting. I would love to, gosh, I would love to go back and rewatch them. I am so, you're, you're super busy and, and smashed in time, but I'm super busy and smashed in time and I can't, I mean, I have some other stuff I'm watching. I'm down to watching half hour things because that's all I can squeeze in before I either pass out or, you know, or whatever. It's the only time I have left at this point. Well, and this was really only <laughs> even made possible because my wife was so dedicated to doing it. Sure. And Absolutely. so she like, like when I got home from this con, she had everything set up and ready for us to like sit in front of the TV, watch it while I'm working on, like I did some commissions. I did some sketches that were going to turn into prints and it was kind of essential because I'm so slammed right now that the ideas like right now I can barely function I'm so stressed about the amount of stuff I had to get done and she let me take those you know that week to just turn my brain off and just go yeah. to Westeros <laughs> yeah and I think it was it was really important for my mental health which yeah sure you know maybe Game of Thrones isn't the 
best of <laughs> Well, but you're someone who can work. You're someone who very specifically can work, even though you're engrossed in material that you're watching on TV, whatever, you can still multitask. And I can, absolutely cannot, with very few exceptions, wa- even something I've seen a thousand times, we've talked about this before, I cannot put heat on, for example, and then try to draw. Because all I'm going to do is look up and stare at heat. I want that experience, and that's all I want. So the fact that you could multitask is a huge deal. And also, uh, I I tried to tweet this to you, and I may have failed because of uh, interwebs. But um, it's it's brilliant and completely consistent for you that you sat down to watch Game of Tolls right before the new season that everyone's hopped up about, and you sat there and banged out these amazing ink illustrations of the characters that you were interested in while you watched, <laughs> which leads directly to product that you're going to have at the cons related to a hot property that everyone's going to be excited about. So once yeah. again, you're just right on the mark. And, you know, I'm meanwhile, I'm watching Star Wars. I'm watching the Clone Wars TV show for the first time and thinking, I want to draw that clone what? <laughs> for 2012 oh, no. or whatever it is. So. <laughs> I like it, actually, yeah, the, in a way. I don't know. The character illustrations were kind of a fun thing to do because it was, it was one of those things where I, I, I'm actually experimenting a little bit with my uh, Mobile Studio Pro, and I'm going in with Clip Studio and doing all of that shit that I normally do with a light table. Yeah. Where I'll where I'll refine my sketch with pencil sketches over and over until I have the details right. Oh, yes. And then I transfer it to Bristol. And so what I've been doing is refining it down to a final pencil in digital form using Clip Studio. Huh. And then I'm printing them out and light, lights, uh, light tabling it up onto the Bristol to ink from there. Interesting. And is and Clip so- Studio a, a, like a sub-program of whatever you're using on your thing or is it a separate program? Clip Studio is that manga studio. They have like three different names ah, attached to it for some. Ah, okay, reason. okay. And you're using it because of its line, its line massaging, or uh, not wire- so much that mm-hmm. as I just, I was signed out of Photoshop. <laughs> ah, okay. okay. I was going to say. I mean, I do all of the, I do all of that traditional mock-up in Photoshop. I mean, with layers yeah. and the same thing in, in Procreate too. The same thing. But, yeah, I would have likely Chris, used Photoshop, but I only have Photoshop on one machine at a time, and it was on my Mac in the garage. So I was like, screw it. <laughs> so shall we talk about this episode? And start, yeah. Shall we start? So season seven, episode one, Dragonstone. So Dragonstone. Was it good? I thought it was great. It was amazing. <laughs> It was, yeah, like, I've heard a couple of people who are like, mm, generic opening to Game of Thrones. And I call bullshit, bullshit on that. <laughs> Absolute bullshit. And talk yeah. about, and talk about the anticipation. Yeah. It's like the sequel curse in movies, Iron Man 2 or whatever, where, or the second, I don't know, Iron Man 2, I guess is the best example, where, you know, everybody's coming going, this is going to be amazing. And then they, and then they sit there and, and you know, implode because there was just too much anticipation. They tried to do too much and it didn't work. Right. The anticipation was huge for this episode and it totally delivered. I remember specifically thinking after the opening scene that if that is how they start the season, what the 
what the hell are they going to do? Like, right. how do they talk that feeling? Because I was thrilled to death in that opening scene. Anyway, yeah. so you, 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 you drive. I'm just, I, I definitely thought this was, um, well, let's go ahead very, and start very, with the opening scene. I mean, it opens with a cold open. Uh, this episode was written by Dan and Dan or David or whatever those guys are. Yeah. The, the series creators. And it was directed by Podeswa. Pod, I don't mm-hmm. know how to pronounce his name. Uh, so we start out with a cold opening before the credits at the Twins. Right. And Walter Frey, uh, David Bradley, who I love anyway. Yes. Yes. Fucking nails that scene. Uh, the inside of uh, Game of Tolls thing that they do at the end of the episode, which is 99% garbage, like yeah. explaining Game of Thrones to someone who doesn't know what Game of Thrones is. It's usually just not useful and recaps or like reshots of the same episode. But they said one thing that I really agreed with, which was that he, his the subtlety and the transition in his performance there was amazing. And they're oh, right. Yes. Before we go any further, there's this is spoilers, everybody. If you're spoilers, listening to spoilers. this episode... This whole episode is spoilers for the episode. And all of the Game of Tolls discussion, weekly episodes or whatever, are going to be spoilerific. Don't even worry about it. Right. Yeah. Don't listen to them unless you've seen the episode already. Who would, though? Right. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I tune into weekly podcasts where they start talking about a movie that I haven't seen yet and I have to pause it. But I'm tuning in every week anyway, and I know... Then I'm yeah. going to have to pause at a certain point. But who's going to turn into a recap episode of a, of a show and then be shocked at the spoilers? I ask you this. Who would do that? Who would do it? No one People would People that it. just really, really love the dulcet tones of your voice, Tom. And if they could see them, the baby blues. The baby blues and the dulcet tones are what make it work, at least on my side of this spit guard. Sadly for uh, everyone, the baby blues are painted on stone, so you just take <laughs> I was going to say that's not good. Is the eye, the eye stones, that's that's a bad omen for me, man. I'm older than you. All right. Well, yeah. so I didn't know. So, so okay. So I don't think we necessarily have to recap the episode. But, yeah, obviously it's, it's presented and shot as if it's red wedding material. Because yeah, or the, maybe the, it's the same back. camera angles. But, yeah, right. So that's what I thought it was. It's a flashback because yeah. they're doing the same things. They're shooting him. His yeah, his child bride's next to him looking uncomfortable. You have all these people settled in for a, a feast looking at him. A toast is being prepared. So it felt initially like they were doing a flashback. And I started thinking, are they going to bring Rob back? Is it going to be like one of those deals? Is yeah. it a retcon moment? And I then I didn't just thought it was like Bran watching it or something. Like he was going to walk around yeah. the, the, the throne or something along those lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when you don't see any of the major players that you're expecting to see, even though the tone was the same, I started going, wait, wait, what's happening here? And, and, and as he's transitioning and saying, you know, toast to you guys for everything you've done. You helped me, you know, do this, this brutal, you know, evil murder of this family in all these different ways. Right. Invited, you, you helped me invite them into our home and then we murdered them. And then, and then the dialogue switches from me to you. You yes. killed the pregnant and you killed a mother of five. You know, you did this, you did that, you know, good on you. And everyone's all like, <laughs> you know, like, okay. It's getting awkward. I will say, I will say that there was, 
my only my only feeling of a misstep in that scene was I wish uh, that Frey hadn't summoned the wine because mm-hmm. as a narrative device, as a storytelling thing, it's the gun on the mantle, right? Like I immediately was yeah. aware of the wine, and I well, wish that it had it all in there. Well, but I think, but I was thinking if they just had the goblet, if they had all of the the um, decanters or whatever on all the tables, and then he said wine, and then they just started pouring it. Like people came around and started pouring it, it wouldn't have been as obvious to me. But he said, "Bring the wine, whatever. Bring this shiny new object." And that's yeah. uh, maybe a little bit. But I didn't see it happening. I was like, "Wait, is there a poisoning happening?" But I didn't know what. <laughs> it didn't occur to me what what it was until it was actually happening. That those last few lines, and you realize, "Oh, I see." Yeah, he played that part beautifully there, and I I really hope they don't overplay the whole face peeling thing this season. Well, we didn't know that she still had the power. Right. Well, they, we didn't know she still had the power, so that was a thing because we thought maybe she, you know, she lost it after her betrayal. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we knew uh, she did after the last scene of the last episode, though. That was her cutting the throat of Frey and then peeling the server girl's face off. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. See, I knew it was going to pay off for you doing all this primary source analysis right before <laughs> i was doing a month of dedicated research for our op- for our podcast yes. which is great thank you very yes, much it's all about this podcast that makes me so much money it's important. <laughs> but also um uh i liked i really liked another thing which was that she said no don't drink that wine child bride i'm not gonna waste that wine on some her girl. yeah it was because it was Walter. a very direct but it was a very direct nod to – it was a fourth wall sort of meta thing. It was a nod to, A, the the sexist misogyny in the writing of the show and the way the characters act um, and, and, and sort of acknowledging it in the script. But then also it was a ironic thing for her to do in how she was – because she there was many ways she could have just said, hey, don't drink that. You know what I mean? Right. To me, it was but a that was a very Frey-accurate way of talking to his totally bride, was. too. It, it totally was, yes. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah, and then the great. best part, my coworker pointed out that everybody chokes and they drop. And then everyone's standing or all the child brides or all the young women. It's all the women who survived, right, <laughs> who, are the, who are the ones who have been tortured and captured and have been imprisoned by this clan for so long. And they're all right. standing. And all these guys are on the ground. It's amazing. And then and her wolf reference, right? Remembers. Yeah. I don't remember what that exact quote was, but I did like it. It was a thing that was said, and it was amazing. So cold yes. open, super dope. I couldn't believe it. I think I might yeah, have even great. paused. So I don't do that very often. I think I might have paused it and just mm-hmm. enjoyed it, right? <laughs> and then... And then, and then the CGI that should be practical effects opening credits. Do you do you like keep that track? They added uh, Old Town to it this time. Well, so I was going to ask you: Do you keep track? Like, are you like pretty diligent about keeping track of what's different on the map every time? Uh, we watch or... it pretty close. My wife's a lot more anal about it than I am, but I definitely noticed the the new tower and that we didn't go overseas at all. Right. But the the tower's pretty sweet. It's a little yes. Lord of the Ringsy, but I like it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I just I can't every time I watch it I just can't think can't help but think man if they just if they just made it it would have been so amazing. Yeah, it would have been amazing, but I can you imagine what a nightmare it would be every time they add a town? I can imagine I paying good money for it. Done that, 
we would have gotten a lot more of a generic opening scene that just covers like three or four towns and they played that exact same one every single episode for all six seasons. Yeah, you're absolutely like, right. Mm, we don't want to cut any more cardboard, guys. <laughs> well, and, and, and honestly, the fact that they even change this one the way they do, they're not the first ones to have an opening credit sequence that changes based on the content of the episode, but the fact that they change it at all, you look at like, you know, going back to our repeated um, attempts to be positive about Iron Fist and then falling apart and how, you know, Blake was saying, special guest star Blake Simmons was saying how the opening credits were the best thing about the series and, right. and you know, oh, snap. But 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 again, they spend, you know, Netflix and and these guys spend all and HBO have spent all this money on these completely awesome cinematic graphical opening credits going back to six feet under in these projects that are just amazing, but a huge amount of money have really strong talent creating these works of art, but it's, Mm -hmm. they did it, they paid for it. And then we could watch it every time for better or worse. And the case of Iron Fist, these guys will shake up the opening credits mid season, depending on what's happening in the episode, which is just blows me away. That's what I'm saying. It's like just a little sneak preview of what you're going to see in the episode. And it just, um, it's crazy to me. I know last year I whined about this, but I will whine again. Uh, it drives me nuts that the that the the sun has this like hot, this hot sort of fumy burning, you know, whatever as it goes across the foreground, uh-huh. the the foreground in the in the opening credits kind of irritates me. The sound, I, I, I don't know because it's 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 the the artifice of artifice. No, but it's an artifice of. Fake wood, fake wood uh, constructs happening, and then you have this simula- this this fiery orb, and then I've gotten used to the the sound of the lenses flipping. And that's okay because you know it's it's becoming a narrative thing, and the astrolab and stuff. But uh, the other thing that always bugs me every single time is how fast the elevator goes up the wall. <laughs> it's like this goes right up, and I'm like, you know. I know something about these things, let alone what it is in the fantasy world. And it just cracks me up when I see that scale problem because it reminds me of when it picks about the opening credits, Tom. I work in the building industry. I work in elevators. For those of us that are tuning in to the Game of Thrones (laughs) recap episodes for the first time and didn't listen to the season six stuff. Tom mentioned this about eight of the ten episodes last year. I promise you, if he mentions it in future episodes, I'll cut it. You sure won't. All I'm saying is it reminds me of others, other sort of uh, uh, digital presentations of things, of, of all kinds of other infrastructure. When you see the speed is wrong at a certain scale, it pulls you out of it. It's a little it thing. pulls me out. It could have been a great thing. That's all I'm saying. Maybe. Chris, what happened next? I'm, I'm entitled to my opinion, man. I don't know. I just assumed that you were going to complain about, like, King's Landing or something. No. You King's know what Landing I didn't notice? What? Did you notice anything different about King's Landing in the opening? I did not. Tell me what happened. Well, I don't know. I, I just thought of the fact that the sept should be missing. I didn't even think to look. Like, I looked to see if the stag was on there or if it was the lion, because I thought they might change it to the lion, and it was still the stag. But I didn't even look for the sept. Well, did did on the slave slave master's city, sorry, I'm dumb. They didn't show it. 
when they toppled the statue, did they change it? Remember they brought uh, down they brought down the winged god and no because the the harpy at the top was kind of the identifying harpy. fact of that but they do change the um, flayed man and the wolf on Winterfell wasn't Winterfell burned in charge it was burning was it burned for a in couple the map for a while yeah yeah, yeah. see that's a and thing. then uh, Bolton took over and the flayed man was replaced on the top and the that's wolf right. was broken on the ground next to it. And then Just once, think of how much work that that the uh, the that Cersei's uh, painter has to do on that floor. Like, ah, I gotta start over. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, this or even, or even like worse, seven inches of paint. <laughs> Daenerys has to do interviews. You know, how do you feel like resculpting my table? And then yeah, how do you feel right. about resculpting it again? <laughs> <laughs> how do you feel about breaking the wheel? Yeah. All right. Well, All right. Okay, let's sorry. move on. Okay, I'm done. All right. All right. I may or may not ever complain about the opening credits again, but I love them so. That's why. Since like one of those parents who's frustrated that my kid works at AMPM. That's all it is. Since we're talking about Old Town already, let's move yes. to Old Town with Samuel Tarly. This was really interesting. It was such a weird scene for Game of Thrones. But so I was at the rolling. Inst- <laughs> Me too. But so in season six, I remember him showing up and saying, I'm supposed to be the new Meister. But did they in the in last season? Did they say, "Okay, put your shit over there, grab a broom," or was that how they left it? Because I was last really surprised. Last time we was... saw Samwell, he'd left Gilly waiting in the waiting room. Ah, yes. And they were like, "We'll summon the Archmeister. He'll be with you. Go wait in the library." All right, cool. And that's, that's the what last I time we saw Sam. It was a very predictable thing to, to have him start at the bottom like that. Mm-hmm. But I really appreciated it from a storytelling standpoint that that they have a um, a haughty arrogance to their mon- monastic, you know, Absolutely. The, the feudal European um, analog, right? That they're just like, you know, we 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 survive all of the petty wars of men, and we are the ones who chronicled reality, and we out we outlive everything because we are history and all that stuff. I thought that was very um, predictable and awesome, though. Because it perfect. puts him, puts him in a the place where he handled the maesters. I would have been disappointed if they'd been anything else. Honestly, uh, who was it again that played the the grand maester or whatever that was doing the autopsy? Broadbent, I think. I say Broadbent, Broadbent, right? Yeah. So yeah, not everyone was really excited to see how Harry Pottery he gets and whatever in it. But um, yeah, <laughs> see, I thought I that whole Jim was Broadbent amazing. from Moulin Rouge. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> yes, we can, 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 can. Yeah, that's right. Well, and he was in like Time Bandits, and yep. I, I love Jim Broadbent. It's it was great, great yeah. seeing him. But that, but actually, that whole scene was fantastic because he's not surprised. I do believe he's like you know, I do believe you, and here's why. And oh well, <laughs> we'll survive yeah, he's it. Like, yeah, it doesn't really affect us. So we're I don't know though. Out of our way to help. <laughs> do you? But but I'm not sure. I believe the scene. So I'm not sure if if it's at face value what we're really seeing. Like I'm not sure if he's the fact that that Tarly stole the key and went and found the books and started looking at stuff. Really, it seems so easy once he and once he elected to take the risk and do it. It really made me wonder if he was being given the informal blessing to do to get the information he needed. That's a good I don't question. you know because someone go ahead. 
I, I really feel like they genuinely believe that this is a winter and that winter will pass eventually. And I don't know if they believe about the White Walkers and stuff. But he says he does. He says, he does. I, the fact that you're so persistent and the fact that you've described it the way you described it makes me believe that what you're saying is true. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, he should be like, well, you know, they'll eventually, you know. Out. We're, we're, well, yeah, the old, our, our stack of precious books is doomed if that's the case, right? right? Well, um, I just, like, they're, we're above all of this stuff kind of rubs me the wrong way because, yes, the guys in the tower might be above it, but they literally have a maester in every fucking castle all across Westeros. Yep. I mean, well, but that's a very, that's a very consistent thing. But it's a very consistent thing they're doing as far as European history, right? That True. the monks, you know, we don't we don't read a lot of because of the way history is written. We don't read a lot of about, um, you know, monks having a position of uh, not so much a position of power or to be arrogant, but but so much as a voice, right? Yeah, uh, we're a lot of our of of what we consider um, semi semi accurate European history, which of course is you know <laughs> not accurate, but. Most of what we have, if not all of what we have, other than oral history, is um, is is the writings of these monks, and right. their their editorial is in the way they did it, not what they say. Right? It's the degree to which they screwed around in the margins and the the choices they made in how they created the cer- certain books a certain way. But you don't you don't get a sense from U- European history that monks are saying, well, you know, oh, another pope who gives a shit, right? And yet it's very believable to me that that this is an analog for what it was really like. Because well, for can the, understand those that, that can read it's... in our capsule history, it seems very accurate to me. There's a place between having an analog of history and having a realistic reaction to Agreed. the apocalypse approaching. Agree. And that's what I'm saying. The fact that no one's – so I can accept that maybe all the other Meisters maybe haven't read about – haven't read in detail the old references to – the White Walkers or haven't taken it seriously because they figure there's a lot of superstition and bullshit in the post-magic era, right? Mm-hmm. But the Grandmeister, you kind of get the sense that he's he's very well read and that he really knows what's going on. And for him to say, I think I believe you. Anyway, clean up the body. Right. It's very deliberate and it made me wonder what that was about. So I don't know. Yeah, interesting. it's interesting. I'll be really curious to see where that goes. They do like to show us gruesome, realistic organs on the show, don't they? <laughs> and shit. <laughs> yeah, and shit. Well, okay, so here's the thing I was going to say. So obviously one of the biggest deviations from any – tonally, anything we've seen – maybe you correct me if I'm wrong. You you would know having re- recently watched these, but I don't remember them ever doing anything like the staccato repeats of him, the, yeah, the, 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 the drudgery of his life. The training montage? <laughs> That montage, right? The Rocky training montage, and it was down to it had a, a, a it had an oral, oral rhythm to it. It was the it scrapes did, of the bowls, the slop of the thing. His, my, you know, my favorite, the you know, every yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, I and was, then in the re- yeah, yeah, I was impressed with this. I thought it was hilarious, but I've never seen anything like it on Game of Thrones before. And I kept thinking to myself. Going back to the analog, okay. So if these if these monks are like Franciscan monks, like you know, vow ch- vow chastity, vow poverty, 
why are they feed, why are they serving themselves a gruel that is so close to their obvious rampant dysentery? It just seems so <laughs> horrible in every way. Though it was a nice reminder of that one thing that this show does well, which is remind you of the unpleasantness of 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 a period world without hygiene and without yeah medicine and everything else. The idea that these guys are trapped in a box because they're in this citadel and staying there, they're trapped in a closed system and the bacteria is rampant. So I thought that was really interesting to see how many meisters were down there, you know, basically dying from bacterial infections. That was very, very cool. Horrible, but you know, neat. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, and I think, the whole apprentice thing that they've shoved in is definitely a pathway for him both to have access to the books and to run across a certain dragon-scaled young old man. <laughs> okay, but but wait, but before so one thing before we talk about that because I have questions. But um, are you you are not up to date on preacher, right? No, I am not. I have only okay. seen the first two episodes. Ah, okay, so we we will eventually. Before 2019, we'll get to Preacher. In the most recent episode of Preacher, there is a montage that's the same deal. It's a mm-hmm. it's a dreary uh, sequence of repetition of circumstances, and I go and it does it for about six minutes straight um, before it breaks it. And I watched it a day after I watched the Game of Thrones episode, and I was like, "What is happening right now? Maybe I'm maybe it's in my you know maybe I'm having a you know a one of those disassociation breaks. <laughs> is it even happening right. in the in the show? So I thought that was really surreal. Two shows, awesome. same time, filmed at different times, doing the same montage. But anyway, okay. So Jora. Well, before that, I'm I'm curious about. I I think Sam is going to have to break his apprentice training, and Absolutely. like just take off because if I remember right, in the books. It takes between a year and ten years just to forge your first couple links in the chain. Yeah, no, screw that. And so, yeah, I mean, he, he, it's like a ten to twenty year process to become a maester. And I, I don't know if John's just oblivious to that, or if he knows that Sam's like, oh no, I'll find the stuff without becoming a maester. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, also. Um, did you so I okay so I noticed this in the episode but I didn't know exactly what it was until I saw it online but when he's going through the book that he finally breaks in and steals or one of the books and right before he finds when he's going through and right before he finds the money shot there's a page open and there's a dagger a dragonstone dagger assassin's dagger and that's Littlefinger's dagger yes it's Littlefinger's dagger that Arya has on the cover of Entertainment Weekly a few weeks That's what ago. I was going to say. So one hopes, and it cer- certainly seems like they're broadcasting that uh, she's going to do him in, which mm-hmm. I'm delighted if that's – because he's my favorite character, you know, on Game of Thrones. And that's fine. That's a good way to go. But I thought that was really interesting. I didn't recognize yeah. it until – I knew it was a thing because I saw it on the page, but I didn't recognize it until – I didn't put it all together until the interwebs did it for me. But, well, uh, the other it, interesting thing about that scene is 
that they are talking specifically about the interaction between Dragonstone and Valerian Steel, which is the only other thing that can kill a White Walker. Right. And so I'm wondering if it has something to do with actually forging steel using Dragonstone. Absolutely. Which would make sense, but I, I think it's interesting that it's laid well, out he there says, like that. So he says, this is Dragon's, you know, this is whatever that keep is that um, that, that the Targaryen's home keep was, whatever that, whatever that site is called. Is it called Dragonstone? <laughs> I thought Dragonstone yes. was just the, oh, Dragonglass is the material. Yeah, Dragonglass is the material, is the keep. yeah. Okay, all right. So he says, you know, Dragonglass, a whole mountain of it, right? And mm-hmm. it, it tickled me, but I didn't I didn't put it together until I saw it later noted that um, in the pre, in the prior much earlier when he's talking with Jon Snow, Jon Snow, he says, Dragonglass, you know, it kills White Walkers or whatever it is. And he says, yeah, well, we need a whole mountain of it. <laughs> See, yeah. they did a thing. They connected the thing. I like that. So, yeah, that's so exciting. So he runs into Jorah. So why is Jorah in Old Town's? Uh, below grade dungeons and also why does old town have below grade dungeons well first of all i don't think it's below grade dungeons i think those are isolation cells for people with the highly infectious dragon scale disease so why like are the why is that in old town well they, because they are the maesters and why is he with the maesters we didn't see was there any well, indication of that in the previous season last we saw jorah he was sent by official decree by his queen to find a cure for dragon scale. Oh, so he might have gone looking from the people who would know, and then they put him in a right. cell. Right. That, she sent okay. him specifically. Go to find a cure. Cure yourself. Yeah. Got, got it. Got and it. So my right. assumption is that the maesters treat dragon scale like they like leprosy. The treat leprosy. And yep. they they lock him away. They try to find his cures for him, but in the meantime, they just kind of lock him up. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got it. Okay, so that was a super neat scene, and it's really advanced at this point. Yeah, he looked yeah, like a arm looked really crazy. bad burn victim. Yeah, looked like fourth degree, like slabs of just. Ugh. It, was, it, it was nasty. Yeah, it looked really gnarly how thick it had gotten and how it kind of like split from each other. It looked yeah, like you just got a little glance. Glamps. God, I can't You got a glance. I got a glimpse. Although, although it, he, we've seen other people who have succumbed to that disease and they turn gray. And he's, he did not. He, he looked – so either he's still in the process or I don't know what. Right. But he definitely it wasn't gray. It wasn't gray like I thought it was going to be. It looked much more like – open wounds <laughs> well and that was his arm where he had gotten it initially too so i imagine right. it's probably the worst so i'm assuming he's not that far advanced yet well that's the question is it is it bloody and red because it's been stalled or is that just part of the process before it turns gray or something i don't right. know it's interesting it, it brings up a, a a thought though seeing those guys puking and having dysentery and then seeing him isolated like that made me one made me think again to how it was so odd last season that in a show that has been very open about admitting that a light wound can kill you mm-hmm. in this highly highly infectious environment 
how Arya had, you know, eight stab wounds in the abdomen <laughs> and then survived it. Yeah. Because <laughs> at the time of that scene, I was so convinced that Arya was the other girl wearing Arya's face and the mm-hmm. old lady stabbing her was Arya, right? Like, I thought that's what it was. That would have been a perfect ending to that scene. Right. <laughs> but then it turned out to be mystery, mystery, mystery healing abdomen wounds that would have killed you in today's world. Yeah, the only but, thing I can assume is that she was wearing some sort of, like, preventative body armor, and so the knife didn't go in as deep in those scenes. Because hmm. I watched it really closely when I rewatched it. And there, you're right, there's, like, she's just straight up fucking stabbed, like, six times. <laughs> well, I feel like in some of the after discussion that happened after the episode, that they claimed that the only reason she survived it was the, the, the treatments that she was getting from What's-Her-Face. So I don't know. Again. I mean, I guess that's possible. Tell me more about that treatment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What exactly was she doing? She was an actress that stabbed her boyfriend regularly. That doesn't exactly, like, imply so that hockey. she's an excellent surgeon. <laughs> yes, indeed. Why so is it that Sam... Go ahead. What's that? Oh, I was just going to ask, why is it, have we ever decided or have they ever given us a sense of why Sam could stand in the snow in the wild and have the walkers walk right up to him, look at him and then keep going without killing him and turning him? You mean like way back when they first appeared? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Dramatic license. And <laughs> also really was Gilly. No idea. And in your rewatch of it, was Gilly there when that happened? Was no, she also ignored? No, they because were... Because my coworker insisted that she was too, and I thought it was just him, which made me wonder if there's something else going on. No, when he first saw the White Walkers, he was up with uh, his two buddies in the Night's Watch, and they were, like, digging for moss and wood. Right. And then they saw them coming, and his two buddies took off and basically abandoned him, and he was by right. himself on this field. Uh, when they ran into it with Gilly, they were hiding out in that, like, hut next to one of the trees. Right. And that's when he actually kills the White Walker. Got it. So so then we do have, then, in continuity in the show, he's a human, mm-hmm. possibly the only human other than John. Well, no, because John was at a distance, so they couldn't get to him anyway. So he's the only human that they were right up against and they didn't turn. Right? Well, yeah, I mean, essentially, because obviously hard home, anything could have happened, but it it appeared that they turned everybody there. Right. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if that's part of the story or not, because it's it's always been something that I've wondered about how it is that he survived. Because it even, it even comes to play when he's trying to explain to people that he saw it, and they're like, yeah, right. Yeah, it's you filmed know, really weirdly. It like sounds like a bullshit story. And just ignored him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Anything else from that scene? Yeah, actually, I read an interesting theory online. Okay. Somebody took that page with the assassin's dagger, the uh, the Valerian steel yep. one. Yep. The page across from it on the the leaf talks about the healing properties of dragon glass. What? Yeah. Wait. What? It talks about how it helps when it's ingested. 
And there was a scene in the previous season with Benjen where he specifically says that they stopped him from turning by putting dragon glass in him. I remember that. And my theory is that maybe that's why Shireen was healed. It had nothing to do with all the macers and everyone else that they hired to come out and heal her. It had everything to do with the fact that she was literally living on a mountain of dragonglass. Interesting. Wait, so... Oh, I didn't really think about that. So that's... So... Because she grew uh, up Stannis, on Dragonstone. So Stannis was occupying Dragonstone. Right. I didn't even realize it was the same place. Yeah. Oh, no, no kidding. How interesting. I, so I got if, the sense that... Huh. I got the sense like it had been a she wasn't thing. eating Dragonglass, I'm sure their well water was coming up through that mountain of Dragonglass and everything. But that would imply that everybody, that everybody who lived in that encampment were benefiting from it maybe yeah theoretically so it would also explain why she's the only person that's basically survived that disease that's reached past like a baby we're talking about uh baratheon stannis baratheon's daughter that was daughter right okay and so that so he was in dragonstone in those scenes i do remember the table now that i think about it but did they have all of the dragon motifs and everything at the time in, in those yeah. earlier seasons? Yeah, they did. Okay. Yeah, there I was just a didn't realize the significance of it. dragon on the wall and everything. I love – well, OK. We're jumping ahead, but I just love Tyrion staring at that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> the, the pure silence of that entire sequence was amazing. But OK, go on. All right. So interesting. So interesting that theory. Was interesting, yeah. Huh. I accept it. Yes. We shall All right. see. All right, what's next? Uh, what is next? Uh, Dragonstone. Um, oh, well, we didn't finish with Arya, technically. Okay. Uh, she left the twins, and they had a cute little scene with her and some Lannister soldiers that's pissing that was everyone really interesting. off. <laughs> well, so that was interesting. No, so everyone's pissed off because they don't like Ed Sheeran, right? But Yeah, man, man, Technically, man. yeah. Yeah, but technically he just sang a little ditty, and what was wrong with it? I, Why is everyone so upset? I don't like about it is that it's another one of those little cameos that kind of pulls you out of the TV show. And yeah, it's like, oh, look, you're watching a show. But, yeah, I mean, he did fine. He sang a song that's appropriate to the books. And I thought it was a kind of a cute scene. I heard that she really liked him and that they basically they hired it. him yeah. as a surprise for her. So that's cool. Which is so cute. Yes. Yeah, it really is. Why not throw your weight around a little bit when you're on fucking Game of Thrones? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the 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 scene structure of a character uh, singing singing an emotional melodic tune in an otherwise very sort of uh, sort of dark story. Uh, is an interesting one. It reminded me, it just immediately took me back to Battlestar Galactica, right? When, yeah. uh, I think his name is Alessandro Giuliani, right? He 
played Felix, right? And there's that one episode where he just randomly starts singing that one song. And of course it came about because he, he actually had training singing and the producers found out about it. So they wrote it in, but in the show, it was astonishing, right? Cause he's just sitting there at the controls and all of a sudden he starts singing the song and everyone is just completely silent. They're like slack jawed listening to him do it right in the story. So it, 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 it gave me that sense, but then yeah. it's, it's the, my only problem with it was, so I didn't mind that. I, what my problem was, was this Adobe. Ed, I don't really have much of a sense of this guy, but you know, then he's kind of had that, he has that sheepish grinny face. And so that takes you out. Cause he just does not seem like a Lannister soldier. Well, right? It was interesting because none of those guys did. They all seemed like little dopey farm guys that they hired or that they scripted into being a Lannister soldier. But and that's the, the sense that I got of them though. Yeah. It's the first time we've ever seen the Lannisters not be like, full on soldier boy mode. And I thought right. it was kind of an interesting choice, but I loved the like underlying tension in that scene. Well, they're her saying like, I'm off to kill the queen and they're like, oh, well, sure. yeah, is she going to kill these guys? I, I liked well, how you he, could yeah. see her kind of sizing them up and everything. I thought that was really interesting. Looking where the weapons were and all that. Yeah. But also, um, it was shot in such a way to make you wonder, are these guys going to get rapey or not? Right. And then they turn and, and she's clearly expecting them to be. And then they seem really, really good natured. And it's also and to me is uh, maybe I'm wrong. It's, it seems like it's the first time or one of the first times we've seen the King's Landing soldiers humanized. Absolutely. I feel I feel like we've always ever seen them just in armor, just being the bad guys. Yeah. And then of the hound. Seen, this is yeah. it basically. And and the the concept that they are disgruntled, um, sort of exhausted younger, like you say, conscripts and their family and their families was very interesting. In the yes, nowhere, crappy food. Yeah, I thought that yes. was a really I thought it was a really solid scene actually, especially for someone like Arya who is so driven by revenge and maybe a little blinded by her hatred of a certain family. Sure. It's kind of neat to see her see another side of somebody wearing that lion. Absolutely. Right. And and also and also subverting our expectations as viewers because we're thinking it's Game of Thrones. They're going to be rapey. And this is the one that's going to kill them all. Yeah. And then they don't, at least so far. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, that, that was, was interesting. really interesting. I liked it. But but we also saw how she's really evolved as a character that she shows up and she looks at where the horses were. She looks at their campsite. She looks and finds where their swords were. She takes a position at the corner. Mm -hmm. Everything about it was showed that she is. She really knew what she was doing, even while she was yeah. acting kind of meek. She was really yeah. sizing them up, and you know she's she's fully she's a fully act, actualized, um, you know, warrior at this point, or 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 you know whatever assassin. You know, I mean, she's she's the real deal. Yeah, absolutely. Arya would old Arya would never have even made herself known to those guys. <laughs> she wouldn't have sat down eating rabbit. And she can just <laughs> plop down next to him. I thought it was really I, like neat. That. I thought it was a neat scene. It was a tense yeah, scene too. for me because I thought they were going to do something, but yeah. Yeah, sure. yeah. It, it stayed tense the entire way through for me. Like, I still expected something terrible to happen. Even if it wasn't these guys, it was 
Jim Bob off in the woods that was taking a piss suddenly comes out or something. Sure, sure, And instead sure. it just yeah. ends with that poor rabbit getting eaten. <laughs> well, and there's so many examples in, in other movies and shows where the uh, the unknown people by the fire, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a Preacher, which you haven't seen, has a, an element of that. And then um, Dead Man, Jim Jarmusch's film. Oh, yeah. Did you see that? You saw yeah, that, right? a long time ago. My hair is just straw. I can't do John nothing with it. Dip. <laughs> so, okay. What what else? What's next? Uh, let's go beyond the wall. Beyond the wall. With the Bran. sweet ass scene of the whites. And the Bran water. and Mira, right? And yeah, and those guys get to uh, Castle Black, where Doris Ed lets them in. He, uh, I like that guy a lot. I really I like too. that guy. He's doomed. He's like going to be killed this season for sure. He was awfully trusting about Bran and Mira. He's just like, oh, if you know well, that, okay, come on in. But it was very specific knowledge, so. It was. And he's seen, and he's seen some shit, so. Yes, he has. Well, and let's, let's be frank. They don't look like wildlings. They're clearly yeah. not white walkers. <laughs> yeah. One of so, them doesn't have any fucking legs. <laughs> speaking of White Walkers, though, He's that... seven feet tall but can't walk. <laughs> <laughs> right. the uh, the money The money moment of that whole scene, of course, is the White Walkers working their way across the plane oh in, in the, the sequence. Giants. So that's the part, right? You see them in the gloom, and you see them come up, and then you see his face because that was a very sympathetic character a lot before yeah. Hardhome, right? Oh, so terrible to see. And um, and scary because we saw what they could do. Right. And if we recall, well, yeah, and they got it wedged up with two of them. And and as I recall, the giant was the one that that was. I mean, he was physically able to mess with the wall, right? Right. I mean, he was right. He, he was messing with the door. door. He lifted the door. Now, if the enchantments hold, he can't. But we've just seen elsewhere in the episode the vision that we'll talk about where they actually say that they go around the side, which seems like an obvious design flaw. But anyway, um, <laughs> well, they can only build so much icy wall in the, in the ocean. <laughs> but didn't we, but didn't we already in the hard home battle see white swimming? Yes. They, or uh, no, they through? all stopped. No, none of them went into the water. Like, oh, interesting. The only ones okay. we saw in the water were hanging off a of one, one and he threw them into the water. Mm. And then all okay. of them just stood at the edge and did the come at me, bro thing. <laughs> all right. Well, there's going to be a thing there. I'm really curious about the about the weak link in the wall. But um, the other thing is my coworker says that she's convinced from repeat viewings because she does. She's convinced that you see at the beginning of that sequence, you see Jon Snow's ex-girlfriend as a white staggering along as one of the what? few female whites you see. I yeah. don't think that's accurate. In the front. She says, in the front, I haven't gone back and watched, but she said, in the front, there's a there's a white that is clearly her undead. Mm, I don't know. That doesn't make any sense because she was killed at Castle Black and burned. Good point. I will I will I will refute it tomorrow. I will avenge us on behalf of the podcast. <laughs> I will say, You're wrong. What you said, it's not true. Yes. Burnt. Burnt body. Yeah, um, okay. my guess is it was just one of the many redheaded wildlings, but which is acceptable. You know how I feel about redheaded wildlings, especially the ones that work <laughs> motel chains. Well, and Hard Home took place like 
way up around the corner from the wall. Right. It's almost as far away as, like, Bear Island is from the wall. So, Hardhome was quite a ways up there, So, but they've still got a pretty good walk to get to the wall. But it makes sense that they'd go right through Eastwatch. So, they've got a walk, but with those giants and everything, they're going to mess up that wall. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit unnerving. As long as the enchant... If the enchantment holds, then fine. But if there's something about the, you know, like, so something, something could break the enchantment. And then, of course, we've seen now the vision that says that they go around. But, but also, it's possible that, um, it's possible that, uh, you know, people or characters who have other skills or other aspects to them who are turned into um whites mm-hmm. may be able to obviate the enchantments that resist the normal white i don't know well and the horn is still out there somewhere and there's a lot of debate amongst my wife and i whether the horn was with all of that dragon glass that they lost at hard home or not tell me about the tell me about the horn again the horn is uh God, I don't remember what it's called, but the horn they found with that dragon glass is a horn that is rumored to be able to take down the wall. Oh. So... Uh, it's called... Let me bring it up here. The Horn of Winter is what it's called, or the Horn of, course of Doraemon. <laughs> so and we don't know a, where that is? No, like uh, thousands of years ago, uh, Joraman supposedly blew the horn and woke giants from the earth. And the free folk believe that blowing the horn can bring down the wall. Mm. And as of its last appearance in the show, it was in that bundle of dragon glass that Sam found up at the Fist of the First Men. Mm -hmm. We haven't seen it since. Did he take that or not? He He took the glass and they had it at the castle, at Castle Black. Mm. And the confusion for me is there's a scene where, like, you know when John at Hardhome, he goes into the house to try and get some stuff? He's yeah. getting this big cache of dragon glass. Right, right. And we and then... can't tell if it's the dragon glass that Sam found or if they were like, hey, wildlings, get all your fucking black rocks and meet us at Hardhome. Mm. And so I don't know where the horn is. It's interesting, this map you sent me, by the way, because I really don't follow the map the way I should. Um, so Hardhome is quite a bit north of the wall. And my mental image my mental image of that whole battle was fighting your way back to the wall. No, so were, I, that's why they had to get those ships from Stannis and go clear up to get it. And why they couldn't uh, just uh, walk down to the wall. Got it. Wow. Got it. Got it. Okay. I'm on board. Got it. So there's that option. The other thing that has been rumored is that Bran entering the wall may have broken the curse. Yes, I like that concept that he's... Okay, so wait a minute. Let's talk about Bran for a second because I've read a couple of times in these... um, You know, and he's like, you know, catching up on Game of Thrones, preparing to watch season seven stuff. And they say time travel is possible in Game of Thrones. And they reference 
Bran, and I want to understand because in my in my one viewing, I didn't see the time travel. I saw some circular. I saw some like weird circular, uh, you know, narrative components that I thought were stylized. But what I don't what are they talking? Time travel at all? I think that's bullshit. I think okay. he can see time, and I think he can influence time, but I don't think right. he can actually travel in time. Well, but when it, but I think it all goes back to the Hodor episode, mm-hmm. right? Because of all the, you know, the reference of why he says Hodor and what he what he experienced his whole life is referencing the thing that happens at the moment of his death, and how how could that possibly be? And then that whole thing where he wisps away in Bram's view. So, what's that about? How was how was Hodor saying Hodor? <laughs> In advance of his own death and all that stuff. Well, what was your, I think what it was had everything on that, to do with... View? Well, that's not the first time Bran has inadvertently influenced the past. Because he calls out to his dad as his dad's right. walking up the stairs. And he turns because he hears something. And then when he sees Hodor, he calls Hodor's name. And he's present there and controlling Hodor... At the same time that he's watching Hodor in the past. On the, the sledge there. Right. That's interesting. And so I think... So I don't know. I think him watching Hodor and hearing what's happening in the real life, like, kind of spilled over that way. I don't think there's any kind of time travel so much as him influencing... But he's influencing the past. He's influencing yes, the past, absolutely. Though. Yeah, and also there's that thing where whenever he ravens over and looks at the White Walkers, they can the kings at least can see him, right? Right. Or I don't know if it's just the king or if it's the king and any of the major the king. Okay, so the Night King definitely sees him, right? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, there's yeah, and there's rumors that maybe he's what caused the Mad King to go mad. Inadvertently. How so? How so? <laughs> By watching him and, like, maybe trying to stop him or something. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know if I put any credence to that because I feel like the way it's presented, the Mad King was a descent into madness. It wasn't just like a yeah. snap. It's fine. It's fine on its own. It was completely yeah. legit. So yeah, it's also unnecessary. In the earlier seasons when the when the Night King would would turn and look and see Bran looking at him, mm-hmm. I thought it was that Bran was – I thought that Bran's initial initial discussion about Bran's ability or the way they talked about it was that he was seeing through other animals. No. And so – No, he's just kind of present there. He, so he's not seeing through birds of things? Of anything. No. So he's not seeing through other creatures. Okay. Not I thought he was show. like ravens and stuff because I thought I, that I thought when when the Night King looked up, he's looking at a, a bird or a creature that's staring at him in an, in an unnatural way and is aware that it's a, a, a vessel for someone that's spying on him. But you're saying that's not the case. It's quite literally the Night King is in tune with this whatever. Power. Yeah, that's as best as I could determine from watching it because I was really trying to keep an eye out for that kind of thing because if so I remember she, right – in the books, when he wargs or whatever, he wargs, wargs real time. 
So like right. he's working into summer while summer's doing something. But anytime he went into the past, he was actually going into those trees with the faces and he was seeing through the faces of the trees. Right. But that doesn't fit what they've shown on the show at all. Interesting. Because okay. he follows his dad up into the tower and everything else. Hmm. Okay. All right. So, yeah. Fair enough. I don't know. Questions. <laughs> What's next? Winterfell? Winterfell. I'm completely so fine got... with following the format of the Wikipedia, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, we bounced down at one point. We, we've you done Old right. Town already. Old Town. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Uh, so that one was an interesting scene. We had John and Sansa, the little bit of a tete-a-tete about how to best handle things in front of. And everyone. what everyone, what every leader loves, is open, <laughs> open, open debate while they're trying to be definitive to their yeah. <laughs> constituents. Yes. As a manager, that was. There's nothing I hated worse than that. <laughs> but it's that interesting though. Clean the bathrooms it, for a week. <laughs> What, okay, and Walgreens. Okay, so but so the thing is, uh, to me, Sansa is imagining that it's a council. Like Sansa's imagining that it's the Starks. Like she knows yeah. that he is the figurehead, but she sees herself as it's her and him because she Which saved is how the it day, be. right? And she sees it as being like we are a council, mm-hmm. a, a conferring and advising, and then telling people what's going to happen. And he's like, no, it's me. And uh, yeah. that was a very interesting scene because of how she shut up. Because mm-hmm. the Sansa from before might have been more impetuous. But the Sansa that's learned from Littlefinger and from Cersei, as we come to see as she keeps bringing it up, she's figured out that when it's not in her interest to – like it was bad enough that she said the stuff in the first place. But the fact that she figured out that she was going to stop was interesting. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it was – and. Yeah. An interesting scene. It's clearly setting up some intrigue shit for later. <laughs> oh, and Littlefinger's little smile. Even though she's yeah. pushing him off, even though she's pushing him off, he's watching. He wants that 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 fork. He's pulling at that mm-hmm. thread right between them. Yeah. I love it that she's like, I know what he wants. Somewhat counterproductive to me because so far everything – that he suggested to her has actually weakened her position as being in command there. That's true. But that's because he's trying to make her reliant on him, though. Which is true, which makes sense, yeah. I loved her saying, I know exactly what he wants. I thought that was cool, because <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing more... I, it, there are few things as pervy as someone who's... Hot for mom and then is hot for daughter. I mean, that's just like so creepy. <laughs> he he like, was giving young Mormont girl some looks too, but I think it was more of looks of an admiration. But <laughs> yeah, right, that's true. Um, I also think it was I, I, the ideology at play in that scene was mm-hmm. really cool. I liked that she was like, "Nope, they betrayed us. Give the lands to someone else. Fuck them." And then Which John is like, "No." Response. It was, but it was a very so so in that sense it was a it was a very cyclical response mm-hmm. right violence what begets violence revenge what would i have done yeah. uh more mead more mutton <laughs> but his his it's response winter, you have to ration man <laughs> yeah it's a good point 
more more protein Winter's block <laughs> more mortar fragments for everyone yeah, so uh but then his but then his perspective of you know nope you know sins of the father you know we're gonna forgive the the car starks and whatever that to me was also could be seen as in her eyes especially the naivety of john snow and how he keeps making these emotional response, these good guy decisions that are not strategically wise. I like that there, she makes that reference to the other Stark children that have made poor choices. Right? Yes. That scene. And, you know, I think it was from chilling. her perspective, it was a poor choice. But from his perspective, I think it was also a wise choice Very. because yes. everyone else respected that choice. And there wasn't anyone that was pissed that, about that. And it showed the divide. And then and then it continues on to her thing, her private thing about how Cersei's going to get him no matter what and how he has to take her seriously. And he's like, no, I'm facing – I'm thinking about the bigger problem, not the petty not the petty intrigue of the throne. I'm concerned right. more about the, the walkers. And she's like, well, but the throne's going to get you in anyway. So in that moment, he is seeing, as he's been doing – Ever that got him killed in the first place, right? Bringing in the wilding. Yeah, he's seeing things as, "Hey guys, apocalypse. We need everybody." And then oh. the the Western world politics say, "Nope, stab." So yeah. he's definitely saying, "You know, forgive him. We need all those men. We need to be unified." His vision is unified Western world against Western. You know what I mean? Unified Westeros, I guess, facing this. Um, impossible supernatural threat from the north. Yeah, he and she's really definitely not there. About the whole king and queen thing at this point. Yeah, which I, I think is a smart yeah. move. It was great, but he's also the only one that's seen it to know that that's the right move. So we also saw Pod um, getting some training, and then yeah, thrown. And Pod and then might also a little dirty. Maybe he learned a little bit from Braun in that one scene. Yep. Yep. <laughs> And then it was interesting that Tormund got to do it was all what he does best, which is <laughs> which is like cheeky eye gestures and things. You know, <laughs> it's the exact same oh look. God. He gives so he gives <laughs> he gives Brienne the exact same look that his giant one to one scale cardboard cutout gave us at the breakfast buffet. Yes, he does. Right? <laughs> you love being at the hotel, don't you? Yes. yes. Exactly. You love savings. Look at fools. <laughs> You love savings blue suit. Look at my blue suit. I'm magic, oh, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was fucking great. Yeah, that was fun. So, okay, interesting. Also interesting is that John sent him to fortify Eastwatch by the sea, right? Yeah. And this whole thing about how it's going to be women and children, which mm-hmm. was a neat opportunity for what's-her-name to step up and say, like, you know, I don't need your permission. Yeah. That I don't know how I feel cool. about sending Tormund off to Eastwatch since he's well, my favorite. <laughs> put him put him in the column. <laughs> Both of our favorites are doomed for the season, for sure. No. I don't accept that. Tormund has you, to live on. You go fortify the keep closest to the wall. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Okay, fine. And take these children and untested yes. women to protect. Here's it. some women and children, and here's a bag of mortar to chew on, and we'll be fine. What could go wrong, right? All right. Fine. Let's What's move next? away from Winterfell, and let's go to the Riverlands because you gave me shit about now. reading from Wikipedia. The Riverlands. 
with the Brotherhood Without Banners and Sandor Clegane. 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 So the thing I took away from this is that the Hound is human and is finally starting to feel bad about it. Well, he's becoming enlightened. He's evolving, for sure. And they are definitely not bringing Catelyn back. How so? Why do you say that? Well, I mean, yes, but why do you say that in this scene? Because at this point, the bodies he found that were essentially mummies... Yes. They went to that house on the way to the Red Wedding. Right. So her body would literally just be skin and bones at this point. Uh, all right. Let's back up. So it took me until well into the episode to remember that moment that he basically robbed the dude and, and Ari was saying, you know, if you do this, you're dooming him. And he's like, he's doomed already. And so in this whole sequence, that's why he was saying, you know, we don't, they don't want us there. We shouldn't go to that house. And, uh, yeah, so he, that was he knew, basically he knew that, doomed that family. Yeah. That was one of those scenes where, uh, Arya and the hound were out cruising around and they went to his house and this was one of the scenes where the hounds started kind of showing his humanity with Arya where they like they go in and they eat dinner with this guy and his daughter and he talks about how much he loves chicken because the hound really fucking loves chicken and so the cool. farmer invites him to stay on and the next morning Arya wakes up and the hound has stabbed the guy and taken his money. <laughs> yes, right. And just well, left him and, to die, basically. Well, you know the whole that whole thing on uh, week on the Weekly Planet podcast where, uh, where you know they constantly reference you know as a father, comma. But dude, when I saw that scene as a parent, I was horrified at yeah, the it was harsh. dead baby with the dead parent and the idea that the parent maybe killed the baby. So that the baby wouldn't starve. So she didn't starve, yeah. And she wasn't. Yeah. I think she was like ten. She wasn't much yeah. younger than Arya in it, but that's definitely implied what happened there. And I think it was a really touching scene. I think they did that really well. Oh, it's incredible! And this whole thing about digging the digging the grave and then trying and then feeling compelled to give a to give a to give a statement or whatever, and then be like, ah, oh, fuck it, I don't know. But that whole yeah. that whole sequence was so evolved for him and of yeah. course the vision the whole vision sequence was amazing i love that they great. don't sh- i love that they don't show us they just let him look at the fire and say it i'm right? so glad they didn't like show some cg fire scene that he was seeing i think it would have really cheapened the scene yeah i agree i thought it was fantastic i love that they and and what is not lost on me and there's one reference to it in one of the things that the priest says to him, but I, I absolutely love the dichotomy that this is a guy with a pathological fear of fire who's been yeah. burned alive by his own brother, and he's taken in with a bunch of zealots who he doesn't like, who worship a <laughs> worship fire god fire. he doesn't like, and then tell him to go look in the fireplace. You know, like it's everything so about perfect. it. It's and it's amazing. the first time he's ever looked at the fire and not been freaked out too. Yeah. So my question before was, I, I'm not sure I understand how you're making the parallel to Caitlin because you're referring to the books thing about the stone lady, right? Correct. Uh, Stoneheart. 
Stoneheart. And you're saying this proves that she's not going to happen because of the timeline, but I don't see why that is. Well, from a I don't logistical happen, standpoint, but I don't see what the- when she comes back uh, in the books, she's pale and withdrawn and is just wearing a red scarf around her neck where her throat was slit. In other words, because they literally resurrect her like the next day. She was thrown in the water, washes up across the river and they resurrect her. So what you're saying is since these bodies are all withered, it means that enough has time has passed since Red Wedding that if she hasn't been animated by now, she's not going to be animated. But that doesn't mean she hasn't been at doesn't mean that she hasn't already been animated, but it seems pretty obvious that they're not going to do that storyline because they're literally traveling with the people that animated her. Oh, so in the books, those are the guys that animate her. Yeah, it's Thoros that animates her. I did not know that. Okay. Yeah. Got it. I'm disappointed that that's not a storyline component only because she looks so cool when people have photo manipulated what what (laughs) Caitlin Stark would look like as her. But on the other hand, it's a horrifying twist on that person. Mm-hmm. It's the inversion of who that person was in a way. But on the other hand, she was actually kind of – she was a little brutal. Well, well, and the simple fact is, is, yeah, I mean she was brutal. She's, she protects her family at all costs. And we've seen two other people brought back by the fire god. And right. Beric Dondarrion still has his personality – and John's still John. Right. Maybe. Well, yeah. So far. John still has John Snow's abs, and that's all that matters. <laughs> I love the fact that what's his name was saying, I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know why I've been reincarnated. I don't know why the fire god loves me so much. Yeah. All that stuff was really cool. I think it was a very honest feeling. Yeah, that was a great scene. I really liked that scene. It was okay. um it was a reassuring thing. Everyone has been saying that these last two micro seasons are going to be so condensed and plot heavy that there's not going to be the characterization that we've enjoyed from other seasons. And I think that this episode has been very reassuring that we have seen these moments of intense characterization mixed with a lot of very heavy plot stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got that whole scene... Uh, there's a little bit with Gilly and Samwell. Yep. I think the whole part with Tormund and Pod. I mean, there's just been some really great. Uh, and then Arya's little camp out. Mm-hmm. I think it's some really nice moments well, that well, and I was we really talked- worried they wouldn't have. Well, we haven't. I, mean, I think it's probably next, according to Wikipedia, anyway. But Cersei, that whole Cersei and and Jamie scene is. Yeah incredibly good characterization study loved it let's talk about on man (laughs) (laughs) i see a lot of like on twitter i see a lot of references like is he hot hot enough for you now (laughs) because they've taken his cloak off and he's like (laughs) you know (laughs) well he he trimmed his mutton chops back over the season too i mean i guess realistically you lose some weight and get buff building a thousand ships (laughs) bro I actually paused the show to write down, scribble down on my thing, Kraken ships. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, those ships are got- sweet as hell. Kraken ships. I'm a little bit surprised because my sense was the Iron Islands had no source material, that they had no raw. Um, yeah. Yeah, like, so, his, like 
Where did they get the material? At the King's Moot was literally cut down every tree, tear down the houses. And then they have these really sweet as well painted <laughs> fleet yeah. of ships. Um, like, okay, I love the We have a thousand ships. We could build another hundred and fifty or we could have some cool Kraken details. <laughs> no, totally. <laughs> and also I loved that the that the headship or whatever, the flagship, had those extra wings to the side to make it look really wicked. I yeah. love it. So yeah, and then he keeps making and he came and he was making all the statements about how, well, you know, my fleet is legendary. It's my legendary fleet of fucking sailors and but it's not. No. His, well, I mean his, his, his nephew or whatever are. stole it. Well, but his nephew stole the fleet. He did. What he's got is a, he's got a new fleet with the remaining guys who are loyalists. So anyway, I, it was, it was hyperbole he anyway. He stole but, the fleet personally. What, what's that? I would say Asha stole the fleet, not That's fucking true. Theon, but whatever. Yeah, but my point <laughs> is this is the backup. These are the backup dudes. But yeah. and yet it was hyperbole for his thing with Cersei. So it was interesting. Although it seemed I to be indicated that Cersei. That's... What's that? Why it it seemed to be indicated that Cersei knew that he's trying to he's trying to petition uh, an uh, uh, you know an allegiance by by marriage, oh, and that she was going to make a twist to do it, yeah. and he was more than willing to do that. Yeah, what do you think his gift is? I'm a little concerned about it. It didn't sound good. I just I don't know. I thought it was going to be capturing Tyrion. I don't know what would win her over because Tyrion's pretty well entrenched at this point. Yeah, I don't know. And I don't know. It seems ominous. Yeah. I don't like it. Yeah, I just can't think of what Cersei would be that excited about at this point besides Tyrion. Cersei is running pure revenge fuel. She right. has no... Her kids are gone. She's got no reason for existence. And as Jamie is saying, outfits going on though. Sweet, I know, and a bitchin' floor, and so dude in the new Kingsguard armor. That's right, and so he and so silver. Oh, totally, and and I love that, and and I love that Jamie comes in, and it's like it's so weird when Jamie Lannister is starts to kind of shift into place as the first person, you know, narrative voice in the story, right? Mm -hmm. Like he's. He's done this more than a few times where he's like, okay, guys, this makes no sense. You know, you can't do this. And so in this sense, it's, it's amazing that this is, this, this is the guy that's saying to his crazy sister, you know, we have no allies and we're fucked, right? Yeah, yeah. I, how loyal do you think he is to his sister at this point? I'm really curious about it, but also at the same time, I'm curious about the inverse Right, because she's at a point where she's been betrayed by everyone. She's lost everything. There's no reason to believe that she wouldn't betray him, which is true, or have him followed or whatever else. She's isolated herself to the point where I have a, I have trouble imagining that she would trust him. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it just seems uh, especially really iffy. But but at the same time, what's what's so interesting about their relationship? I mean, it's a very specific very subversive thing that's going on with them, right? With the incest. Mm-hmm. But but they've made multiple references to, and she does in this scene, make comments about, you know, our dickhead brother, who you freed, allowed to kill our father, who escaped and is now advising our enemies. 
like she made a point of reminding him that his actions in her eyes directly led to everything that's wrong. Right. And she doesn't do anything about it. She's like, just thought I'd remind you. And, <laughs> you know, that's that's really interesting because the way Cersei works, a hint is a major threat, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It is interesting. I love stories. I love, um, you know, uh, criminal underworld stories, heist films, uh, mob stories where they start to eat each other alive because they don't trust each other anymore. And yeah, that seems to be where we're going with this one, which I think is great. The idea yeah. that even though they've been whittled away because of the losses in battle and all of the politics and everything else that's happened, I love the idea that maybe the Lannisters are undone through the through this house of cards problem, right? Mm-hmm. That they would implode rather than it being their enemies that do it. Which has already been happening for several seasons, right? Two or three, four seasons is they've been falling apart from within. Absolutely. So, what else? Anything else about that scene? I liked all the little digs that Euron poked at Jamie. Oh, that was all great. That was really great. I said, well, why don't you kill your brother? It's <laughs> yeah, <shit."> yeah. <laughs> yes. And interesting that time has gone. You know, the the onset of the story, the the series of events that led to the dethroning and murder of the mad King was legendary. Mm-hmm. And the King Slayer is a legendary position or a legendary concept, but things have gotten so batshit crazy over these last few years that it's a distant memory and that he's mocked for the things that he did. He's mocked Absolutely. in a way that's not respecting him. Whereas some, some seasons ago it was like, it's scary that he was the guy that did that. Right? Yeah. Okay, well, that's that's that. That's all I'm saying. That's I'm just that. saying. Yes. The fact that Euron is, is, is poking at him so so overtly is interesting. Yeah, it is. I I I mean I can only assume it's partially yeah. just based off of the rumors about yeah. Jamie and Cersei, but I also just think that might just be how Euron rolls. <laughs> true, true. But 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 definitely Jamie's being put in that Carlitos way position, right? He's like mm-hmm. he he's feeling trapped by his circumstance. His sister who's in charge is crazy and clearly crazy. Well, and he wants to love his and, brother, but he also hates his brother. Right. And he's watching his sister make a series of very uh, self-destructive decisions. Yeah. And he's in a position where he's he she's not defending him either. Like, no. It, he, it's she's letting things twist to see how they go. I think that's interesting. Yeah, me too. What else? Riverlands. Uh, we, we talked the Riverlands. Talked about All Riverlands. we have left is the the final sequence. So, the sequence Lots with of stair virtually walking. no dialogue. What's that? Lots of stair walking. Stair walking. That's a really interesting keep. It is. It's laid out really interestingly. Like there's odd little, like water inlets and walls and stairs easy to defend but hard yeah. to defend the hard to defend the harbor though yeah i would think so the way it's laid out i think that would be really difficult it's apparently totally abandoned right interesting which you know honestly isn't super surprising because stannis was there last right and, and it's in an isolated place so there's no infrastructure around it yeah, and I, if I remember right, 
Dragonstone was promised to maybe Baron Trent last, and he's dead now. Arya killed him in Dorne, or right. wherever it was she was. Bravos, I mean. So I, I guess it was just hanging out empty. <laughs> well, the whole sequence was really neat. I, I kept wait, like in my mind, I was like, well. They're not going to do the thing where she gets down and touches the sand, right? And then she got down and touched the sand. But, <laughs> but you know, but I mean, I but I have to indul- but I have to indulge it. I get it. I get it. Yeah, she spent I mean, her whole life getting back born. to this place. Yeah. And I re- this is where she had those dreams when she was like the first season, talking about remembering the doors and that kind of right. thing. I I I meant to rewatch it before we recorded to see if it actually showed the whole fleet there. Or if it was just her ship. Ah, uh, yes. I assume it must be everybody and that, like, the Tyrells and everybody else are there. But it was I just... I thought the fleet was held back and she came in. She came... Her ship came forward into the bay. That's what I was wondering. And so that's interesting that it was just her... Uh, who else was there? The other people. No, Sandra. Varys and Tyrion, mm-hmm. right? Tyrion and um, and the worm. What's his name? Various. Blackworm. Black. Blackworm. Her her uh, her eunuch. Oh, greyworm. Greyworm. Yeah. And everybody's all gothed out. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love that they have. And, and then she's got those. And then uh, Daenerys has those really crazy, like mid nineties goth heels that are kind of oh, curving love, a little bit. I, yeah, I love her heels. I really love her. Her spiked shoulder pads that mimic totally. Drogon's spines. Totally. And also, she has the best throne in the entire mm-hmm. series. That throne that is amazing. wicked. From a design standpoint, the asymmetry and going off axis of it is just so rad. Yeah, I it looks so much it. better than uh, the fucking throne of swords or whatever. <laughs> I've seen references that in the books that the throne of swords is like a thousand feet tall or whatever that you have to yeah, like it's supposed spend to be half massive. a day getting up to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it, one of those it, things it, where it's supposed to loom over 500 feet behind their head and kind of loom overhead and everything. But obviously that's not feasible for taking around to comic cons. So. <laughs> I think, I think, um, I think that the, the I think that the um, I think that the show has been good about making it that the scenes that are CGI versus the scenes that are shot in some soundstage or versus the scenes that are in in set in a, in some sort of real, real world environment have been fairly fluid. Like it's been mm-hmm. in the later seasons where they have more budget, it's always been convincing. But there is absolutely no question that part of the vividness of that sequence was that they shot it on location. Yeah, there's like two yeah, there's like two CGI scenes other than the dragons. Well yeah, two two CGI set scenes other than the dragons. And otherwise, it's whatever San Juan. I mean, it's just, you know, it is what it is. So yeah. it felt very vivid and it felt very real. And she felt small in the scale of that giant, that she approach. Really did. To... Yeah, I was blown was away by that... how good it looked. Yeah, that was, it was probably not my favorite scene in the show, but I did like, I think they did such a good job with it. 
I read a reference that said that there was at least one other montage scene in Game of Thrones, which was Arya washing bodies in the House of Black and White, but I didn't remember it. Uh, Doesn't change. I mean... Doesn't change how good this was. They showed her washing, like, three or four bodies, but it was intercut with her, like, fighting with a stick and being blind and that kind of thing. But it definitely didn't have the pacing and, like, that, that noise and stuff. Sure. Sure, sure. So it seems like the setup, of course, it's like the, you know, up next, nothing. <laughs> you know, like they don't show you yeah, anything really. really. But, um, to me, the most obvious indication that things are going to go wrong is the Sansa and John conflict. Um, yeah. But also, um, it'll be really interesting to see if there's fallout for some of the risks that were taken in this episode. Yeah, I'm curious. I. I was particularly intrigued with the trailer uh, in the scene with just that little flicker of Nymeria, who we haven't seen in fucking seasons. Which which one's that? Uh, That's Arya's wolf. Oh, yeah, 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 of course, of course. And it was also interesting that we didn't see snow at all this entire episode. Oh, the wolf. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, where's or is it winter? Snow? 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 Dog's name? Wolf? Well, Wolf. that dog. So was it freed when? What was the last thing we saw of that dog? Uh, the last time we saw him, he was just like hanging out next to Jon Snow while right, Jon right, right. Snow was snowing about. Snowing about. I know early on they said that the uh, the budget limitations meant that they couldn't show the wolves very much, but. I'm, you know, I'm disappointed any time there's an episode without wolves because I think that they are such a great link to the Stark family and in the circumstances that have befallen those children and uh, and the way always going back to the way Ned was when they first found them and all that stuff. The wolves are part. They are absolutely part of the beginning structure of the show. And I know that it's very focused on the iconography of the Stark household, but I want more wolf. I want more dire wolf. I know, me too. And I imagine they're a logistical nightmare, but I, every time they're in a scene, I get super excited. (laughs) Well, if if, uh, IMAX IMAX, uh, ABC Inhumans can have Black uh, Black Bolt's dog, uh, (laughs) what's his name? Lockjaw. Lockjaw, yeah. CGI Lockjaw, then these guys can do CGI giant wolves. You just take a wolf and make it bigger. Yeah, In fact, take a husky and make it bigger. Embiggenize it. Embiggenize it. Yep. All right. Well, so that was our season. That was our season seven, episode one, Dragonstone discussion. Any other thoughts? I think we covered it. What? We nailed it. Was your red tentacle? Oh, sh- you son of a gun. <laughs> you son of a gun. For those that haven't Do listened have to the episodes before, our red tentacle is where we're supposed to pick out our favorite moment from the episode. Well, I got it. I'm sorry. It's a, it's kind of a gimme. It was the arrival of Euron's fleet and all the crack and stuff all over the ships and the beautiful ah, sail nice. on the flagship. Flag yes, thank that you. Was, that was in my top five. Top five. Uh, but I honestly, I have to go with that stupid montage (laughs) yeah i mean it was really great it was so delightful and disgusting at the same time (laughs) and what else like i wanted to immediately yeah what 
it's a yeah, I, I wanted to and rewind it and just rewatch it, but I knew my wife wouldn't be able to handle watching it a second time. <laughs> right. Well, it's the thing we've been talking about with trailers over the last year. It's been that trend that uh, we saw in like Skull Island and Suicide Squad trailer and a few others. And I, and I just saw it recently in a trailer today where they use some staccato of sound effect in the way that the trailer's cut. That's yeah. either linked, linked to the music in the trailer or just something else. And they did it in that episode. It was that 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 scrape puke, you know, like all those sounds were repeated on in sequence. And it was absolutely why it had the effect that it had. It was great. Yeah, it was fantastic. Pukey bowls of chili. You love it. <laughs> so the next episode is out Sunday. It is Stormborn. Stormborn. So what is that? Another sword name? Stormborn is somebody's last name, I think. God, who is it? I don't recall whose last name that is. Stormborn. I don't want to look ahead because I don't want to be spoiled. Yeah, I don't want any spoilers. But if I remember right, somebody... I think that's somebody's last name, but I can't remember. Uh, Yeah, I'm excited about it. We will be back here to give our sum up of it as quickly as we can after this show. If we said something terribly wrong, tweet us and tell us that we did. If we said something that was absolutely dead on perfectly right, tweet us and tell us we did. Where can they find you, Tom? That's a pretty good question. Unlike you, I don't have the same exact thing every place. But (laughs) if you search in your engine of choice, Third Rail Design Lab or TRDL, generally speaking, you're going to find me. So... Usually it's third rail design lab, but either way. And if just, you yeah. seek out deeply dapper, you'll find me. Excellent. You can man. always email us. What what's our email address? Do we have an email address? <sighs> for this site? For this uh podcast? For for this podcast. Salty I think it's salty at robotkraken.com, but just use any of the just 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 reach out to just, either of us from any any us format of Facebook us or something. Yeah. Let me take this moment. Let's just check that email in a while. (laughs) Yeah, I I have not. Um, So, for those, (laughs) all it's chock a block with interesting anecdotes and feedback from our listeners. But too late, haven't checked it. So, (laughs) so no, no, it's not true. We do, we really do. We care so much, we don't have time to check it. So we really do. The other thing is, you guys are enjoying this. Send us a review. On iTunes. That's it. It's iTunes reviews. Send me a message on Twitter or Instagram or whatever, and we'll send you a little thank you. For It's true. And the thing is, iTunes is a mysterious beast. We, we're there, and people find us on there, and we have subscribers, which is great. But, in, but the only way to get more exposure on iTunes is people have to rate us five stars minimum, and then yes. they have to write reviews. And we know... I think at this point we know at least twelve people have told us they've written reviews and they're not on there. Yeah, they they're not on the up. podcast. It's the weirdest. Thing. So I don't know what that's about. So the only way to solve that problem is to do more of the same because that's rational. Yes. Right. Yes. Continue <laughs> so, throwing yourself against the wall until it falls down. That's right. So next week we'll talk again um, on this particular subject, if not before, for other things. Yes. Assuming you don't get grayscale, Chris, yeah. it's been it's been it's been real. Shall we put the uh, scaly, but I don't think it's really that. (laughs) 
that's 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 uh i'm gonna go talk to hr about it so let's put the kraken back in the bottle until next week until next week everyone all right thanks Winter cheers bye is coming ching 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 ching